It is awesome to see all your smiling faces this morning. And uh, take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin a two-part teaching series this morning. And I am uh, really, really ecstatic. I can't even think of the best word about how fired up I am about this teaching series. And even though it's only in two parts, what we're going to be doing over the next two weeks is laying down a foundation or the building blocks for the next year. And uh, so a lot of vision casting, a lot of specifics, and a lot of gaps we're going to fill in over the next six months. But the whole premise of what's happening over the next two weeks and the rally or the battle cry for the next six to eight months is that we want to be a church that goes deep and wide. And I want you to be individuals and families that go deep and wide. Now, let me help you understand what that means because as a kid that grew up in a Southern Baptist church, we sang deep and wide every children's church. Somebody know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It's, it's deep and wide, deep, and then you had to reverse it. Wide and deep, wide and deep, there's a fountain, whatever. All that. Um, and I still do it wrong. Uh, but we want to go beyond that. We want to go beyond just the superficial. We want to go beyond just making church just what we do or making Christ just who we say we love. We want to go deep and wide. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to go to the Grand Canyon, and it was amazing uh, to experience that. I went with one of my best friends, and he's kind of one of these guys that has a spiritual gift of sarcasm. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon, and it is literally deep and wide. You're talking about miles across and miles deep. It was beautiful. I'm standing there, and there's this moment where I'm about to cry. I mean, it was spiritual, guys. I ain't going to lie. And behind me, he puts on his iPhone, what if I stumble, what if I fall, and start singing that song? I was bitter. We want to take that idea of the Grand Canyon and apply it to your spirituality. We want to take that idea of the Grand Canyon and apply it to this church and understand what it means to be deep and wide as it pertains to knowing Jesus, growing in Jesus, following Jesus, and being the church that Jesus wants us to be. Are y'all with me on that? So over the next, next three weeks, next, next, next several months, actually, there, there are three things we're going to focus on. Y'all ready for this? One, deep. We're going to do that this morning. Next week, guess what? It's going to be what? No, horizontal. No, it's wide. And then after that, we're going to start a series called The Church. One of my favorite sitcoms is The Office. And you learn all about The Office on that show, and you learn all about your office where you're at, Right? But so many times we engage in a church and we don't understand what's happening beyond Sunday morning. How's it structured? Why is it structured that way? Why do we have elders? What are deacons? Why do we have pastors? Why do we do things the way we do? And I think it's important for you to know that. Is that okay with you guys? So over, that, the, over those few weeks there, we're going to talk about what is communion and why we do it. What is baptism? Why we do it? Why is autonomy and authority important in your life from the local level? What is an elder? What is a deacon? And how that applies. It goes way beyond what we do in our newcomers luncheon. So we're going to deal with that. And then the pinnacle of it all. Are y'all ready for this? Easter Sunday, we're going to be at the amphitheater over here like we were last year. We're going to make that a tradition as long as it's not hurricanating out there, all right? And we're going to have one huge service with all of our services and the entire community at the amphitheater, Innovation Amphitheater, on Easter Sunday morning, I think at 1030. Does that sound good to everybody? It's going to be a great time, and I cannot wait to see what God's going to do. But it begins with you and I determining that as a church and as individuals, we choose to go deep. We choose to move beyond the superficial. 
Now, our five-year plan here, and we've kind of got derailed for a lot of reasons. One we'll call corona. We're going to deal with that at the end of our time together. The other is just staffing, and we've dealt with that issue because we've got all our staff positions filled, and everybody's doing a fantastic job. But our five-year plan is over the next five years, we want to see 10 churches planted through this church. Right now, we're at one in the Dominican Republic in Santiago. That church is booming. They're about to spin off their next church, and we're sending mission teams there this summer. So we want to see 10 churches planted. We want to see 100 baptisms a year. Now, I don't like to say, hey, y'all ever heard that phrase, don't put God in the box? Y'all ever heard that before? First of all, that's the dumbest phrase. He doesn't fit. Um, but we're using that to say, hey, we're going to have this goal out there to say, we're going to put a number to it. We're going to move forward. And over the next five years, if when you add all the people that come to know Jesus up, it's going to average at 100 a year. Does that sound good? Then we want to see 1,000 people intensely discipled. We have more small groups and discipleship groups than we have ever had. Over the pandemic, we've grown from 10 to 12 small groups to over 30. Is that crazy? Nobody's doing that, guys. You need to be in a small group if you're not in one. We want to see 10,000 people engage in gospel conversations. We want to see 100,000 hours served in our community with no strings attached. And we want to see a million dollars given towards missions and accomplishing the vision of this church. Does that sound good? That's where we're going. And this morning, we start in a two-part series of how we're going to get there. So in Luke chapter 10, we're going to see a very, very primal, basic idea that Jesus presents to the body of Christ and that you and I are called to cling to. And it's the whole concept of going deep. Now, we know more about the ocean surface than we do the depths of the ocean. I mean, the, not the moon surface than we do the depths of the ocean. Do you know that? We know more about what's happening in a galaxy far, far away, or so it, seem, or so it seems, than we do that what's happening off the coast of Jekyll Island. Why is that? Because going deep is hard. Going deep takes courage. And in many times, I don't know if some of you are like this, when you can't see the bottom or where you're going, Fear encompasses what you do and how you think. Y'all been there before? And that's the idea of going deep. But there are two reasons we go deep. Number one, that's where the good stuff is. And number two, that's where the foundation is laid. And so as we choose to go deep this morning, let's get our hands around what it means to go deep. Now notice what happens here in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, this happened all the time. They were trying to test him, trick him, or try to get him in a position where he would say the wrong thing and cause all the common people to just rebel against him. And he says, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answers, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus answered, you have answered correctly. Do this and you shall live. Now, this is an important theme that happens in Scripture. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. All the way back in the Old Testament, Moses was given the law. Now, go back to what it says there in Luke chapter, uh, go back to verse 10. It says, verse 28, what is written in the what? Law. So he asked this guy, if you want to inherit eternal life, what does the Old Testament say? The New Testament didn't exist. It was being lived out here in Luke. Got it? So they go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And regardless of what anybody 
what anybody says. For the Jewish people, the most important thing was what they called the Shema, which is, means to hear. And notice what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to throw that up on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting, let's start in verse 4. I'm going to turn there with my fat fingers. And you're going to turn there. In a moment, we're going to try to get that up on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, you understand what he's saying here? He's basically going, he said, this is your prayer. This is what you need to know. This is what you need to understand. Listen to what I'm saying. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's all-powerful. He's all-consuming. He's triune, Father, Son, and what? Holy Spirit. He's perfect. He's your sovereign. He's the one that you need to understand and need to know. And get what happens here, starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he says this in verse 5, and this is it. This is the thing that a Jewish person lived their entire life on. They based their existence. This was their core value. This is everything. Now, there are different groups in Israel. There are the Pharisees. There are the Sadducees. There are the Essenes. There are different people that had a lot of different conflicts and understandings about what Scripture was all about. Pharisees had a different understanding of what the Sadducees did. Sadducees didn't believe that there was a, a, a resurrection of the dead. That's why they were sad, you see. You get that? You'll never forget that, right? But here's the thing. They all agreed on this. Verse 6, go back. I mean, verse 5, notice what happens here. Chapter 6, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? Strength. So when the expert of the law comes to Jesus and says, What's the greatest commandment? This happens in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And how do I get to eternal life? Go back to Luke chapter 10. Notice what happens in verse 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Now, you can put strength and mind together, okay? They're basically the same thing. And that's the greatest commandment. That's the essence of a good Jewish person. And guess what, church? That's the essence of a deep church and a deep person. Because to go deep, here's your first principle this morning, to go deep personally, to go deep in church, means we have to deepen our love for God. That's number one right there. You have to choose to be Christocentric with your life. You have to choose as a church that if we take away all the seats and the air conditioning and the heat and the lights and the musical instruments, the child care, everything, and we're put in a field together, the one thing we stand on is God's word and the fact that Jesus is alive today and he died for you. That's it. That's all you need. That's deep. And when we choose to say deeper, we're choosing to say we're going to make our lives more about Christ and less about us. Acts 17, 28 love this verse it says in him in him we live and we move and we what have our being isn't that beautiful in him our whole existence rests and that's why as we move forward into this everything we've been searching for everything we've been hoping for everything we've been longing for rests in the person of Jesus the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk says this I love this in chapter 3 verse 17 
And, and this is one of those passages of scripture you need to outline, memorize, hang on your wall, because when bad things happen, it says, though the fig trees does not bu- do not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, meaning your life is decimated, yet I rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in God my what? You get that? Is it when your life is collapsed? You got joy. Why? Because hope is here. And then he goes on to say one more thing. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Not my own. It's like we read in Psalm 20 during the offering time. Is that, you know, uh, I, we raise the banner of God, not us. And he makes my feet like the deer, like the, of a deer enables me to tread on the heights. That's deep. That's what we're going for. Now, with that in mind, what we want to do this morning is give a kind of some handlebars about what it means for you to go deeper. Because I've heard this my entire ministry, it's come out of my mouth, is that I just want to go deep. But we got to understand what deep is and what deep is not. Y'all with me on that? Deep is not a well done worship song. Okay? Deep is not a well delivered and funny sermon. Deep is not attendance. Deep is not a Christian t-shirt. Deep is not a fish bumper sticker on your car. Deep is not necessarily morality, even though they two are connected. Deep is a passionate Christocentric understanding that my life is wrapped up in Jesus and nothing else, and I want to go more into that. Make sense? One of my favorite TV shows is Gold Rush. Any of y'all Gold Rush freaks around here and fanatics? A couple of you, and I'm, I keep going out in my yard just digging, you know, and nothing. I got nothing, guys. You'll know when I don't have something because I won't be here. Um, but, I, 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 you know, one of those things, man, they go out and they have these big old, big old, big old backhoes and bulldozers, and they're digging deep into the dirt. And the thing is, when they're looking for gold in Alaska and in the Yukon, none of that comes easy. You just don't go walk around and pick up gold, do you? If that was the case, we'd all be rich. But they're digging and sometimes going 60, 70, 80 feet down. And they have to remove what they call overburden, all this stuff that's kind of worthless in order to get to the good stuff. Now, some of that soil has value. Some of it are pockets of fool's gold. Some of it is just something you want to throw away or put rocks in your garden at home. But if you want to get to the good stuff there, you got to dig. Y'all with me? And if you want to get to the good stuff, if you want to get to the deep stuff, if you want to get to the God stuff, the gospel stuff, you're going to have to dig, people. And as a church, we're going to have to do the same thing. So let's remove some overburden this morning. Are y'all with me? And I'm going to give you a couple of things here for us to understand how to grow, how to understand what it means to grow in our relationship with God. I heard a crazy quote yesterday, uh, and I thought I'd share it with you, and it relates directly to what we're doing. We have access to the king. Y'all realize that, right? When you pray, you're talking to God Almighty. The Bible calls him our king. But what kind of king allows someone to wake them up at three in the morning for a glass of water the king who has a child and you're his child if you know Jesus isn't that good you get to enter into the throne room and say daddy I need something complete and total access that's deep so let's look at these passages of scripture one more time go back to Luke chapter 10 And we're just going to parse this out because our objective is to reach our best, have a strong foundation, 
get all that overburden as a church, and I want you to experience this individually too. And I want you to go back to what it says here. Go to verse, go to verse 27. Love the Lord your God. Now, first of all, let's, let's deal with this first, okay? Notice what happens here. When he says, love the Lord your God, that dictates the fact that you've got to have a relationship with Jesus. You can't experience depth until you know Christ, until you have a transformational conversion to where Jesus comes into your life and changes you and makes you his, okay? I'm not talking about a religious moral conversion. I'm not talking about I got my life straight and I'm doing the right thing now. I'm talking about Christ comes in you and radically changes you from dead to life. Does that make sense? When you know Jesus, you have not been given medicine. You have been resuscitated spiritually. Big difference, right? Big difference. So understand this first. Go, love the Lord your God. Now, here's our three specifics here. Number one, you got to dig deeper with your heart. Now, get what it says there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, what is a heart here? First of all, we, uh, we love people with all of our, what, hearts. But then at the same time, we describe that organ as pushing the necessary blood flow through our body so that we can live, right? We're not talking about physiological, but it's the seat of the emotions, and it dictates and determines and represents your entire being. It's who you are. And to love the Lord your God with all your heart, what Christ is saying, what the Shema is saying in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is this. With the essence and the core of your being, love him. Love him. Emotionally, let him in. And then live it out. Now, I am not stupid enough to think that there are some damaged hearts in this room and online. In fact, 100% of us have heart wounds, right? But that is the healing salve of the gospel is that when we choose to say, Jesus, be the center of my life, I want to go deeper, those heart wounds begin to heal. Yes, there's vulnerability. As a church, there's going to be vulnerability. But when we say, love the Lord our God with all our hearts, we're basically saying Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your what? Heart. And lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your paths, what? Straight. I love that, don't you? So you got to choose to dig deeper in your heart. Let a heart in your life be transformed. Let your desires be transformed. Let your thoughts be transformed. Let the depth of the gospel, knowing that you're forgiven and don't deserve it, transform you. You with me on this? Then notice what happens next here. I'm running out of time. Here we go. Go back to what it says next. He answers and said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. You see those two? We're going to put soul and strength together, okay? If you go back to the Shema, it just has three. When you look at Matthew and Mark, it says, love the Lord your God with all your, uh, all your heart, soul, and, and mind, or all your heart, strength, and mind. Basically, soul and strength together. But this is what that means very specifically. Dig deeper with your capabilities. Dig deeper with your capabilities. Now, some of you are like, I have no capabilities. You do. It's in what you do, what you have, and the time you're given. That's your capabilities. It's in what you do, what you have, and the time you've been given. So I've seen this play out in so many beautiful ways within this church. Uh, during the pandemic, we did our best 
And, and guys, we need to pray for our students because our youth have been hit so hard psychologically from what's happened over the last two years. Um, and we're seeing it in every, every, every area from social work to counseling to church to what's happening in the school system. It's been very, very challenging. It's been challenging for all kids, but those who are going into adolescence and older, it has just tidal away this, this demographic. And so we have worked and worked and worked and worked to work to cling to and minister to these students. And so one of the things we wanted to do is to take them to camp, which most camps shut down during the pandemic, right? And we know that due to the nature of where we live in Bear County, we also knew, know due to no nature of what's happened in our world, it's gonna, some people can't afford to go. And I, and I wanna throw this out here. If you ever wanna sponsor a student, I, and I have this philosophy, if any student wants to go to camp or an event, They'll go, regardless if they have the money or not. We'll find it. We'll, we'll start issuing pay cuts and not, and not pay the mortgage because it's that important. It's that important that these students. So if you ever want to sponsor a child or a student, and we're taking fourth through sixth graders to camp this summer, and then six, uh, four, third through fifth graders, and sixth through twelfth graders, uh, we have a scholarship fund that we divvy out all year long. Y'all with me on that? If you ever want to do that, just write scholarship fund for kids, and we'll put it in that account, and we divvy it out all year. So... We need people to do that for these students to go. We're issuing scholarships to kids who don't even go to this church because we want them to hear the gospel and experience a Christ-likeness for maybe five days. That's a beside the point. But during the pandemic, we tried to get these kids to gather together, go somewhere, do something, hear the gospel. A lot of them couldn't pay, and there was a wonderful lady in our church that said, I believe in this. Wasn't able to come to church because of the pandemic. And I don't know how many students got to hear the gospel because of her generosity. That's using your capabilities to love the Lord your God with all your strength and all your soul. When there was a food shortage in our community, one guy stepped up and said, I want to pay for 10,000 pounds of food to be delivered to this community every month. No problem. That's loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength. When you walk back in that kid's area, and a lot of times I'm not in worship because I walk around with your kids and try to, try to show them God's love just by laughter and thank these volunteers. Let me tell you something. To, to get up early in the morning, to go to the sound booth, to come on stage, to serve in our kid's area is a sacrifice, right? <laughs> but that is loving the Lord your God with all your capabilities. And what we're called to do is to dig deeper with our hearts, the core of our being, and then with our capabilities, the essence of what we do. But then we dig deeper a little more. Because I want you to, this is where the rubber hits the road. Go back to what it says in the text. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And get that last one, with all your what? Mind. There we go. Dig deeper. Here you go. You ready for this? And most Christians do the first two. The third one they have a hard time with. Dig deeper with your brain. Because out of what you think, the heart acts. Understand scripture. Choose to go deeper. One of my favorite authors and apologists, a guy named Josh McDowell, wrote a book. It says, don't check your brain at the door. And so many times we come into church and go, all right, got to get my emotions taken care of. But we don't allow what happens between these two ears to grasp the totality of the gospel. And then therefore we do nothing. You with me? Dig deeper with your brains. Now, we have to do the brain work in order to do the real heart work. And the mantra of what we're doing in this church has always been to bring or connect truth and people together. And the idea over the next six months 
is to go deeper, and then next week we're going to talk about what it means to go wider, okay? But we want to go deep. So specifically, with our emotions, with our capabilities, with our brains, how do we do that? And here's our vision very clearly laid out. And guys, this is my heart for your home and for you individually. Are y'all with me? We believe that every person, number one, should, should be equipped. Every person should be equipped. Guess what? And you know this. You, didn't, you weren't born or come to know Jesus and automatically know how to read the Bible, did you? Everybody say no, because you don't. <laughs> it didn't just come off the page and go, hey, here's a walking around Jiminy Cricket commentary with you. No. You got to learn. You didn't just grow up saying, I know how to pray. You got to be equipped to do that. We want you to be equipped. Every person needs to be cared for. Every person needs to be cared for. That's the second thing here. That's our vision. One thing we learned during the pandemic is that people are detached from the church. And when we grew up in a situation, many of us my age grew up, the first person we called in time of need was the body of Christ. Now it's like we just post it on social media and hope it works out. You need the body to care for you. We are launching something this month, our deacon family ministry. We'll talk about what deacons are in a couple weeks. But primarily, their goal is to minister to those in the body of Christ and those in need. And we have a bunch of people who have been stepped up to become deacons, and they're going to be assigned 10 families each. And their job, number one, is to pray for you. Number two is to serve you during time of needs. And number three is stay connected to you in this church. That's all they do. They don't make decisions. They don't do anything but love you, connect with you, and pray for you. Isn't that cool? That's called biblical. <laughs> That's the way it was designed in Acts and so you're, you're going to be getting a phone call from one of these people, and it may be awkward, and they might say, hey, I'm your deacon. And you're going to go, what is that? <laughs> well, just come to the series, and then after this, and we'll explain it, <laughs> all right? But they're there for you, to connect with you. We want you to be cared for. The next thing is we want every person to be connected. We want every person to be connected. Outside of the Bible, the most important prop part of your spiritual growth is not what happens here in this hour but what happens with other growing believers in your life you hear me on that and you need to be connected but the thing is this we can, we can build the own ramps but you gotta choose to merge right you hear me on that we can build the own ramps but it's in your hands to choose to merge, to be equipped. We're going to set up the processes. We've got some really good ones going on right now. To get connected to a small group, to get connected to the on-ramp, to get connected to other people, to be ministered to. We can build the on-ramps, but it's on you to move forward. So how do we do that? What are some things that we can do? So this is what I'm going to ask you to do this morning as we move forward, okay? A couple things, and i got five minutes so listen fast. Y'all with me? If you are a regular attender, meaning this is your church home or a member of the church. Now, if you're a regular attender and you've never gone through our newcomers luncheon or maybe you've never turned in the, uh, the membership agreement, it's time to do that, by the way. Some of you have been coming 10 years. So uh, we'll go make that public for you. Probably get an email this year uh, or a phone call because we want you to know that you have a right to select your leaders as far as the elders go. But if you're a regular tender member, there are four things I want you to do. Y'all with me on this? Number one, here we go. Take advantage of every opportunity. Get involved in a small group. 
get involved in worship service, get involved in serving. You with me on that? Greet everyone. Everyone. Somebody who's been visiting our church a month ago, this is going to be discouraging me the whole time. Uh, somebody that visited our church for a couple months texted me this week and said, we love your church, but no one spoke to us. That grieves me, man. And you know what? I know a lot of you are new, uh, and a lot of you have been here for 10 or 12, 15 years now. Every person that walks in this door is valuable and deserves our love. Greet, greet people you don't know. You may see them every Sunday. Find a name. Shake a hand. Invite them to your small group. You with me on that, guys? Second thing is uh, I want you to pray. That's pretty simple, right? Pray. Pick a time during the day. Put it on your iPhone. Make an alarm and pray. The last thing I want you to do is fill out a survey. Now, this is where it gets a little crazy, okay? Um, there are different organizations out there that help churches understand where their gaps are. And they usually cost ten to $20,000 to do one of these things. I got called from an organization I worked with and said, we received a grant. We want River Hills Church to be a part of this. So it's a $10,000 grant. We don't have to pay a dime. It's very gospel-centered. It's called Church Multiplication Ministries. I've been working with these people for probably almost 10 years now. And um, they are want to do a survey on us to see how healthy we are and how we are going to move forward to become deep and wide. Isn't that cool? But I need your help. We want you to take a survey. So it will take about 10 or 12 minutes. You'll get it on email. You'll get it on text. But you can also text in this phrase. It's going to be RH survey to the number 5590. So go ahead and text that right now. It's going to come to your phone and take that survey. Y'all with me on that? We want to do better in every area. So take a moment and text that. We're going to email it to you as well. Maybe take a picture of it, but we have two weeks to do this, okay? All this information is going to come in within by the time we get to Easter. But take a minute and do that. Sound good, everybody? Please do that, all right? It's all anonymous. You can tell them how bad the pastor is. I'm not going to know it was you. I'm going to make guesses. Just kidding. If you're new to River Hills Church, we're going to ask you to do three things. We want you to understand something very important. We're not perfect, and we don't expect you to be. If, you're around, if you've been around River Hills more than five minutes, you realize we are a bunch of jacked-up people, and that's what is so endearing about this church. We're not perfect. We don't expect you to be. Second thing, we want you to in involve yourself in our newcomers' luncheon or experience River Hills. And, uh, and then the last thing is this, get involved in a life group. Those are the three biggest suggestions I can encourage you to take. We have some of these Experience River Hills luncheons coming up soon. We'll be announcing those. And finally, if you're online, two things I want to tell you. We're going to continue with our online platforms, and we're going to continue to try to be excellent with them. But if you're home, and this is your church home, it's time to re-engage physically. Being online is a supplement, not a substitute. It is, I, I've been on, I look, me and my family have done the online thing, and it is very awkward to sing together when four people in our house can't sing, all right? <laughs> There's something called horizontal worship to where we sing together so that we can vertically worship, sing to him. Make sense? We need the body. So re-engage, and if you're online and you've been checking us out and you've never come, engage for the first time. We want to have you here and be a part of this church. So let's finish with this. It's a little different this morning. Next week we'll talk about why, and I don't want you to miss. These past few years have been very difficult, right? And it doesn't seem things are letting up. Politically, it has been complete nonsense. Can we all agree on that? 
however you voted, it's been nonsense. (laughs) This pandemic has been scary to the point of ludicrous. What's happening globally, right now, scares me to death. Economically, things have gone up and down. I hate gas prices. All that stuff, right? It has been tough. In our own church, some people have died of COVID. Some people have given up on their faith. Some people have moved. And some people have gone to other churches. We've gained some of you. Some of you have come to know Jesus. And some of you have come to be a part of our family. But here's what I want to make as a statement this morning. And I want to say this in the most sensitive way I can. Because early on in the pandemic, uh, we were trying to do our best to lead. I remember when we opened up the church after the pandemic and we shut down, I think we had seven services to spread everybody out. I don't know if some of you remember that. I remember at 8 a.m. preaching to five people. Remind me of the good old days when we started the church at the YMCA. And there was one service then. And we've done everything. We've stacked chairs in the corners to spread things, some things out. We've, we've done a lot of stuff. And I want to be very sensitive. Somebody said to me at the very beginning of the pandemic, well, I choose to have faith and not be fearful. And I've heard that over and over again. And it just ticks me off. I'm going to tell you why. I got a lot of faith, man. But I also get in my car and put my seatbelt on. Get what I'm saying? So I want to be sensitive to people who are dealing with different anxieties and dealing with different medical issues. And at the same time, be sensitive to people who aren't, who've gone on like the world hasn't changed. But the reality is it has changed. Things are different, guys. And there are people in this church, we had people die of COVID. We have people you're never going to see again when everybody starts coming back together. We've gone through a lot. We have people who've been in the medical field and held the hands of people who've died and done FaceTime videos. And that's been the last conversation that they've had with their family members. We have teachers that go into those school systems day in and day out and deal with the craziest stuff that you can't even imagine. And some of us are loving life, man. Some of you have only dressed up from the top up for the last two years because you're on a computer call all day long, right? So I want you to understand, we want to be sensitive to the pain that this has caused, but I also want you to understand this. At River Hills Church, this is over, and we're moving forward. We're going to be sensitive to the needs of others, and we're going to love people where they're at. If you want to wear a mask, nobody's going to look at you weird. If they do, call me. Some of you need to put a mask on just before the pandemic. Let's just be real. And I want to say this, too. This is on my soapbox. I'm going way over. If you're sick with COVID, the flu, or a stomach bug, stay home. That's just common sense, (laughs) y'all. Period. Would y'all agree on that? I don't want your bugs. (laughs) Let's move forward because here's the point. Here's what I want to get to. We have a mission. We have a great commission. We're going to deal with next week. We have a great commandment to Lord, love the Lord our God with our heart and strength. And we're called to go deeper and wider. Y'all with me? We can't be held captive anymore. Starting today, we're moving forward. Will you move with me? For your own self, personally, and your family, I want to see you go deeper. I want you to experience the joy of the Lord is my strength, like we read a few minutes ago. And then we have boo koodles. There are 40,000 new households that's going to be built down between Walton, Barrow, and Oconee County Triangle in the next 10 years. That's, that's 120,000 people minimum 
that need Jesus. We're here to reach people. We're here to grow people, to bring truth and people together. You with me on this? Starting day, we'll go deeper. Next week, we'll go wider. Let's pray together. Father, we want to go deep. And Lord, we know that the depth of your love and grace is the only way to get there. So Christ, I pray that as we move forward, as we choose to grow, and as we choose to go deep and wide, that you take us to a place where every person is equipped, every person is cared for, and every person is connected. So convict those who won't get on the own ramp. Convict them to get on the own ramp. Help them move, help them grow, and help me as a pastor grow and go deeper. Help each person here grow deeper and let our church grow deeper. It's not about the butts and the seats, Lord. It's about the growth in the heart. And so, Christ, I pray, I beg you to move in a powerful way in our worship, in our commitment to your word, in our growth in each other. Lord, move and allow us to experience more and more and more and more of you. We pray this in the most powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.